Hey, good morning. Hey, all right, so if you're a mom, stand up. All right. So I just want to say to you, Lee, you cannot be a mom and not have sacrificed on our behalf. And so I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do for us and honor to you on this day. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> all right, so let's just be honest. Uh, there are some guys sitting in the room today, and you're in the room uh, because it's Mother's Day. Because you went to your wife and you said, all right, what do you want me to do for mother? And she said, you got to go to church with me. And you're going. So guys, you want to hear something totally, totally cool? So we're talking about sex today. Best Mother's Day ever! Wait till you see what we do for Father's Day. Okay? But all that said... Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a PG-13 discussion, and so if you've got your 27-year-old and you haven't had the talk yet, um, great time uh, to maybe, you know, uh, have a meeting in the lobby. But it, again, just want to say that out loud, want you to, you know, we're not going to get too, but just want you to know we're going to be pretty frank about uh, this part of the conversation. So here's the deal. Some of the ladies in the room are going, oh man, you know, I mean, it's, it's Mother's Day. I mean, this is, this is how I became a mother. You know, I think this is going to end up being a blessing for you too, because uh, here's the deal. Uh, maybe you've got teenage kids, and if we could land this conversation with them, I'd be really, really powerful. Some of you have got older single adult uh, children. If they could catch what we're going to talk about, it could change their lives. I mean, this could take so much regret, so much despair, so much disappointment out of their lives if they would catch this. And then the other part is that some of us have younger children. I'm just telling you, I would take copious notes because somewhere you're going to have the talk and more important than explaining to them uh, kind of how it works is explaining to them how God designed it to be. I would be taking uh, huge, huge notes. So here's the deal. We're in the middle of a uh, dating series, really, and the cool part about that is, is that those of us in the room that are married have had the chance to kind of listen in to the conversation, and it's been interesting because a lot of us that are married have said, oh, wow, uh, that's the thing I skipped over. That's the moment I missed. That's what I didn't navigate so well, and maybe I need to take some of the principles that Lynn's talking about with the rest of the crowd and maybe bring them back to my marriage and, and see if I can do a little bit of work there, too. So it's been a great series uh, for all of us, but really kind of the premise of the conversation that you and I have been having together is simply this. It is hard. It is hard in today's culture. It is hard with uh, all the pressure, all the information to land the right person in your life. It, it's complicated. But part of what we've been saying to each other is it's possible that part of the confusion Part of what muddies the waters is all the misinformation, all the things that our friends do, all the things that happen on the TV set that don't add to it. They actually detract from the possibility of finding the right person. They make it more confusing for us. And so what we've been doing with some real honesty and just kind of laying it out there is saying, let's, let's unpack the lies. Let's go back to the things that actually make this more confusing, harder for us to navigate, and let's just call them what they are. And if we could remove that, maybe it doesn't have to be as hard 
uh, as we thought. And, and the lie that we're just going to unpack today that has everything to do with uh, a man and a woman is just this. Is it possible? Is it possible for a man and a woman to be together physically and it just be that, that it just be physical and nothing else. Is that possible? Because let's just be honest, there are an awful lot of us uh, probably in this uh, room even today who would say, no, no, I, I know I'm, I'm in a relationship and, and I, I know that we're uh, involved with each other, but I don't even know for sure what the status of our relationship is. Or, or maybe you're saying, hey, we're physical because we're kind of sealing the deal and we're kind of like engaged to be engaged. And um, some of us would say, well, you know, we've been living together, and I mean, it just, you know, that just kind of seems like what would happen if we were there. And if someone were to ask and say, but whoa, 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 wait a minute, how, how, is it, how is it that that's happening outside the commitment of a marital relationship? And you go, well, you know, it's, it's just kind of what it is, and, it's, and, and at the end of the day, it, it's, it's just a physical thing on the deal. And some of us have landed on that side of the conversation you realize there's a completely different spectrum, a completely different place that says, that's not possible. It's not possible for a man and a woman to be intimate together, to be in a physical relationship together and have it simply be physical. That that's an absolute impossibility. Matter of fact, there is something so powerful, so intimate about that moment that it's actually sacred and that to abuse that and to use that out of context has all the capacity in the world to cause you and me some of our deepest regrets in life. And here's what you need to hear me say. I don't care uh, how you came into this room today. I don't care about your past. I don't care. I care about how you're going to leave the room today. That once you and I have the conversation, once you and I unpack the truth of this moment, how do you and I leave uh, this place today. So let's start with the side that says, hey, you know what? Hey, it, it's, just, it's just physical. I mean, it's just, it's not a big deal. It, it's just us finding kind of uh, mutual satisfaction together. I mean, that's, that's just, that's what it is. It is what it is. So here's what I need. I need, um, I need a volunteer. So I'm looking for a single guy, single guy for a volunteer that's willing to be deeply humiliated and come on, just a single guy. All right, come on, single guy. Oh, oh right here. All right, come on, dude. Already up, good for you. Tell me your name, man. Jeff. Jeff, all right. Come on, I'll help you up. Oh, you got it. All right, Jeff. So you're right there, dude. There you go. Okay, I'm looking for a single lady. This is your chance. Okay, single lady. All right, come on. Boy, she did not hesitate. All right, so here we go. Do you know Jeff? Yes. Oh, she knows Jeff. That's why. Okay, there you go. Okay. Okay, so what's your name? Precious. Precious, all right, there you go. So Precious, you're right there. All right, so here's the deal. But you guys kind of know each other, right? Yeah. Okay, so this you know, may or may not be awkward on the deal. All right, all right, so here's the deal. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Um, I, I'm going to have you guys arm wrestle, okay? Jeff, if she beats you, dude. All right, so here we go. All right, so cozy up, okay? Cozy up to the board. All right, so Jeff and Precious, all right, here you go. All right, so lock them up. Here we go. I'm going to count three, okay? And then you guys are going to go, all right? Dude, all right. Ready? One, two, three.
Oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. Okay, two out of three. Come on, here we go again. All right, all right, all right. Shh. I think you almost had him that time. All right, all right, here, so here we go. Here we go. Okay, ready? One, two, three, go. All right, all right, all right, you ready? All right, so we're gonna to totally change it up. We're gonna do a tiebreaker. You ready? Count of three, have sex. Yeah. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So I'm teasing, I'm teasing. All right. Did you see the reaction? Okay, okay, so you guys can go and sit down. Here, here's the deal, all right. Here's, here's what I think is interesting. Uh, Hey, when it was just arm wrestling, no big deal. The minute I said, hey, okay, have sex, totally different conversation, right? But whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. It's just physical, right? So if you think about it, I mean, if it's just physical, if, it, if a guy and a gal being together is just physical, then really all it is is naked arm wrestling. <laughs> why the pause? You know Why? Because no matter how many times they say it on TV, no matter what your friends have told you, no matter what culture says, no matter what the song sings, deep down, deep down, you and I know, it's not. It's not just physical. And matter of fact, here's, you want to hear the interesting part? Scripture is going to come back and say, it's an impossibility for a man and a woman to be involved in sexual intimacy and it just be a physical act. You cannot pull it off. As a matter of fact, Scripture's gonna push and say, the reality is, is that this thing, this thing of a man and a woman being together is such an incredibly sacred gift of God that how you and I treat it has the capacity either to bring unspeakable blessing in our lives or untold regret. Because, you ready for this? The more precious that something is, the deeper the violation when it's treated common or abused. Let me just say this again. The more precious something is, the deeper, the more profound the violation when it's treated cheaply or abused. Years ago, I'm, I'm serving as a youth pastor in Southern California, which is code for I was starving to death. And uh, Lisa and I had bought a house, and you can imagine what that was like trying to buy a house in uh, California housing. And so we were on the nine-year plan as far as landscaping the outside. And uh, some of you have neighbors like that. That was us. And uh, so my plan, part of the plan, the nine-year plan was we were going to put a fountain in the front and not just any fountain, because I'm a fountain guy, not just any fountain, a manly fountain, okay, manly fountain. So, uh, someone are going, dude, uh, all right. All right, so in, in the front of our house, we had this little courtyard, and I was going to put a manly fountain. So sure enough, Lisa and I are driving down the road one day, we look off to the side, and there's this like patio store thing, and big banner says, half price fountain sale today. And I went, Lisa, this is it, this is our moment. So we pull over, and uh, we go in and go, look, I got this courtyard, it's about 12 feet by 12 feet in front of my house, I'm looking for a fountain, and he takes me out there, and he shows me a fountain. I go, dude, manly fountain. So he walks me a little further over, and he shows me a fountain, and he goes, and I go, you're not getting it. Manly fountain. He finally walks me to the back. There's like this eight and a half foot 
fountain. I mean, it belongs in front of a huge restaurant somewhere. And I go, manly fountain! I mean, I, my whole house was only like 1,600 square feet. This was going to add 2,000 to it. I mean, it's just huge fountain on the front. And so we scraped together. I mean, we, we just took ourselves down the, and we bought the fountain. Well, of course, I don't have any money to install the Manly Fountain now. So uh, I take all the pieces to the Manly Fountain, and I put them on the side uh, yard, and I am scraping together money to put in uh, my Manly Fountain. I come home uh, a couple of months later, and as I'm walking down the sidewalk uh, into our front door, I look over to the side to see Manly Fountain in a thousand pieces. My gut, I mean, my gut just branched. Come to find out, uh, Joshua, my son, uh, had decided that the fountain looked like a Star Wars village. And so they had set it all up. And then uh, he and his friends thought, well, you know, the X-wing bombers need to come and bomb the village. And so they took some of the bigger pieces of the fountain and just, and just shattered. Because you ready for this? The more precious something is, the greater violation. I'm just wondering, when God comes to you and me and talks to us about our sexuality, and he says, guys, look, this is, this is a sacred trust, and I've, and I've given you something amazingly precious. And I wonder how he feels when we pass ourselves around. When we say, look, look, this is no big deal. It's, it's just physical, right? Matter of fact, grab your Bibles because the Bible is going to say that it's just absolutely impossible for this moment to simply be a physical moment uh, between a man and a woman. It's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you're not real familiar in the Bibles, go to the back, work to the left, you're going to find this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting in verse 18. And here's what I want you to do, because we're just going to unpack a passage together that deals with this. You're going to want to circle some words. So if you just look in the seat in front of you, there's pencils there. I think you're going, to want, you're going to want to circle some of the key phrases in here that just unpack this truth for us. So grab a pencil. Here we go. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 18. Here's what it says. It says, flee. Flee sexual immorality. And then circle these words. All other sins. Circle that. All other sins that a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body, but he who sins actually sins against his own, how is that possible? Because think about this for a second. I mean, if, if, if someone's a cutter, wouldn't, wouldn't they be sinning against their own body if they were a cutter? What if someone's given to the sin of gluttony? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be sinning against your own body? What if someone beats somebody else up? I mean, wouldn't that be sinning against? What if you murdered someone? committed suicide. And yet, here, think about this. 
Scripture here says, guys, 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 be very, very careful how you conduct yourself sexually because every other sin is different than this. Every other sin is different because it's outside of your body. What does that mean? It's interesting because as the Apostle Paul pens these words, he, cho- he could have chosen the Greek word sarks, which simply means flesh, the fleshly body. And that's probably how most of us are thinking about it when uh, we read these phrases, but he doesn't choose that word. He actually chooses the Greek word soma instead, which really means more the entirety, the whole thing. So here's how you and I would use that. If we, if we went to um, a lake, we would say the body of water. And what we mean in that moment is, hey, we're not talking about a wing on the lake or an alcove on the lake. We mean the whole lake, the body of the water. Or if an author had written 10 or 12 books, we would say the body of his work. And what we're saying in that moment is the entirety of it all. So here's what Paul's saying. All other sin is different than this because a man or a woman who sins sexually sins against their entire personhood. All that is them. This is different than other sin. And here's why. Because of how you were created and made in the image of God himself, You are different. Guys, you need to catch this. You are different than any other creature who walks on the face of this earth because you and I were created in the image of God, which means there's something peculiar, something different about us that no tree, no animal possesses. Matter of fact, you and I have body, soul, and spirit. Animals don't. So here's the deal, an animal can have a physical relationship with another animal, and it is just physical. You and I can't. It's impossible because you and I cannot separate our body from our soulishness. And every time you and I have that intimate one-on-one encounter with another human being, you ready? We bring our souls to the dance. And you cannot not, because you and I, you ready, are soulish. It's why, it's why, you ready? It's why this is different than any other sin for us. Because when you and I sin this way, we sin against our very personhood. Matter of fact, here's what Scripture is going to go on to say. Not only is it impossible for this to ever be just a physical encounter, it's not possible. If you try to make it that, Scripture is going to go on to say, you're crazy. You're crazy. The, The regret, the damage, the heartache that you will bring by trying to ignore your soulishness and violate the way God has created you will only lead you to sorrow. As a matter of fact, let's go back to the passage, and this time we'll go to the verses that are in front of it and behind it, and watch as God just kind of unpacks this for us. So, 1 Corinthians, let's start again, but this time let's go up to verse 13. Here's how he starts. It's really kind of an interesting phrase. He goes, look, hey, food for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will destroy them both. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, your stomach was made to have food in it, and, your, and food was made to go in your stomach eventually. That's how God designed it. But then watch this next phrase. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. 
You get what he's saying? He's saying, look, look, look. If you decide, if you decide to say, look, this is just going to be physical and this is just going to be like an extended goodnight kiss or this is how I'm going to seal the deal in my relationship or this is how I get the guy to stay interested, if you, you need to understand that this will end up being an absolute violation of how you were made. Food was made for the stomach, and the stomach was made for food, but you were not made, he says, for sexual immorality. But for the Lord and the Lord for the body, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. And then get ready for this, ready? Verse 15. Don't you know? You have, to go, have you missed this? Did you not catch this? Don't you understand? Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them? And you got that pencil again? Circle that word unite. Because every time that you're in a sexual encounter with somebody, there is uniting going on. Will I take, will I take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? And here's his answer. What's the next word? Never. Never. Now, guys, this is, this, is, this is really interesting because stop and think about this for a second. If there was ever a moment that might be possible in order to have a sexual encounter with somebody and it just be physical, think about this. Wouldn't it be when a man hires a prostitute? I mean, if there was ever a chance for this just to be a 100% physical encounter, no strings attached, wouldn't it be when a man would hire a woman. I mean, because here's the, it's a business deal, right? No one has any unmet expectations. Everybody understands what's going on. Wouldn't that be possible? And God says, no, 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 you don't understand. You think it's just physical, but in that moment, you are uniting with the prostitute. You are uniting your lives together. Here's why, okay? You and I, in our soulishness, we're created sticky. See, there is a part of your soul that longs to make connection with their soul. It's how God wired you. It's why this is so powerful. And the idea is, is that when a man and a woman come together in this moment, their soulishness connects. It's part of why this is such an incredible gift of God, because when this happens, this is, this is powerful. This is amazing and remarkable. And God says, look, you need to understand that every time your soul, not your body, every time your soul has that encounter, no matter who it's with, even if it's with a prostitute, your soul will be trying to connect. So here's the problem. I'm dating, and I'm dating my high school sweetheart. And I'm going, you know, hey, I mean, you don't get it. We love each other. I mean, this is the first time I've ever, and so yeah, we did. Eventually, we kind of got, and you know, we did. And so, you know, we... And then we broke up, and we never thought it was going to happen, and so the next guy was Jeff, and it was a little bit easier the next time, and we didn't wait quite as long, broke up a little bit quicker. And then we graduated, and so we went off to college. 
And then I was single the next eight years. And you get what God's saying. This changes you. This changes you. Soulishly. It can never, it can never, even if it's with a prostitute, be just physical. Which is why, guys, I know you're sitting there and you're looking at porn and you're going, well, you know, I mean, who's getting hurt in that? I mean, you know, it's just a picture and it's just something I'm seeing on screen. No, guys, 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 you cannot go there and not take your soul. It's why guys who consume porn have an incredibly hard time being intimate and connected with their own wives. It's why couples that buy into the lie and say, hey, we're just going to spice up our marriage and we're just going to changes you. Ladies, it's why Fifty Shades of Grey changes you. Because you cannot go there and not take your soul. Back to the passage. Verse 16. Do you not know, <laughs> you haven't figured this out yet, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, you ready? The two will become, now circle the next two words, one flesh. You get that when a man and a woman are together, God has built us in such a way that there are promises exchanged, that, that really the intimate act between a man and a woman is actually a play act of a covenant to be one, and the two shall be one. And that when, when, when we're together, when we're physical together, you and I are making covenants with one another. It's, how many of you guys have seen a mine? Okay, admit it, it's, I know it's embarrassing, but you've seen a mine. Okay, three of us, so this will help, all right. So mimes are those little guys you see in the park, they usually paint their faces white, and they're really irritating, you know, and they, oh, it's a wall, or they walk up and hand you a fake flower, and you think to yourself, if I had a gun. But what they're doing in that moment is they're miming, they're play-acting something out for you, and you and I are supposed to understand something because of what they do. You realize that God gives you and I mimes. He gives you and I play-acts that are supposed to express some of the deepest things within our lives. One of them is baptism. Here's the deal. God looked at us and he said, look, here's the, I know when you first come to faith and when you first make that decision about Jesus, you're not going to know how to express this to your friends. You're not going to know how to tell the story. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a mime. I'm going to give you a play act to do in front of your friends, in front of your family, so they know you're serious. So here's what happens when you get baptized. When you stand in the water, what you're declaring is, I believe that Jesus really lived, that he really was alive. This isn't a fable. This isn't some story made up by a bunch of religious charlatans. I believe Jesus lived. When we put you under the water, when we bury you under the water, 
You are play-acting the fact that you believe that Jesus died for you. Not that he passed out on the cross, not that he swooned on the cross. You're saying, look, I believe he died for me. And when we raise you out of the water, you are saying, I believe that Jesus rose again. It's a mind of probably the most powerful statement of your life. So is the marriage bed. Because what you and I do in that moment of intimacy together is we mime the one flesh principle. What we're saying in that moment is, look, I am absolutely committed to being one with you, not with 17 other people, with you. I am absolutely committed to us being one together. And guys, just to be honest, that's why God even shaped us and made us the way we did. Because there is something within that expression between a husband and a wife that says, I am committed to being one with you. And when a husband and wife do that, there is something really powerful <laughs> in the covenant, in the promise. And guys, just in case, just in case you go, well, I'm not sure it means, it means that. Let me think about this. Ready? The God who hates divorce. Let me say that again. The God who hates divorce, here's what he says. If you're married to somebody, you got to stay married to them. Except this. They go one flesh someone else. They go outside your marital relationship and they are intimate with someone else because guess what they've done in that moment? They've now taken the solemn covenant promise to you and gave it to someone else. And if they will do that, God says, that's, that's enough. Guys, I cannot tell you how powerful. It's why the scripture says, would you ever do that with a prostitute? Never. Would you ever give this promise? Never. It's too sacred. Back to the passage. Verse 18, here's what it says. It says, flee. Flee sexual immoralities. All other sins that a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Flee. So think about this. God's saying, look, look, look. This is, this is such a big deal that if you find yourself overwhelmed, in other words, you're sitting in the backseat of the car and the windows are getting steamed. You're, you're there some night and your parents have already gone to bed and you're watching TV and it's, 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 it's getting tough. And you, you know, I mean, boy, we, we stay here. We do this any longer. I mean, we flee, flee. Think about this with me for a second. How many other sins does God ask you to flee from? Isn't it true that just about in every other occasion, God says, no, 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 stand. Look it in the eyes and be bold. Slay that temptation. And God says, look, this is so critical. This is, this is so important. If you find yourself in a moment where you think, man, I, I, I'm, I'm about a second away, he says, run. He says, pull a Joseph. How many are familiar with Joseph in the Bible? Okay. So here's Joseph, and Joseph is sold as a slave into Potiphar's house, and one day Potiphar's wife looks at Joseph and goes, dude, you're looking pretty good. And she offers him, you ready for this? She offers him a physical relationship. She says, look, Potiphar doesn't have to know. I'm not looking for any commitments. I'm just looking for a good time. 
And my best guess is that the Potiphar's wife was pretty darn good looking. And here's why I think so. Because Joseph is sweating bullets. He's going, man, I, wow. If I stay, with, if I stay here one more minute, if I, I'm going to do something that I'm going to regret the rest of my life. And the Bible says he flees. He gets up and begins to run out of her bedroom. And as he runs, she grabs his coat. He's going, no way. And he's flipping out of his coat. And he's running. Try that on your next date. You're sitting there and things are getting a little hot and bothered. All of a sudden you go, ah! If that guy dates you again, he's a good guy. You'll definitely have put a line in the sand. You're in a dating relationship right now. And you've already gone where you shouldn't go. Flee. You're living together. And you're kind of engaged to be engaged. Flee. And you say, well, Lynn, I, man, I, I don't know if they would date me. If I did that, I, I mean, I, that would probably change the whole relationship. I know. Flee. As fast as you can, don't wait another minute. Flee. Because all other sins that a man commits are outside his body. Verse 19. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God, you are not your own. Grab your pencils again and circle that phrase. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Even if she says to you, it's okay. She can't. Because, you ready for this? She doesn't belong. Her body doesn't belong to her. She has been bought with a price, and she belongs to God, and she is to honor God with her body. And even if she offers it to you, it's not hers to give until she's standing there on her wedding day making covenant promises with her husband, and then God says, okay, it's yours to give. But until that day, it's not yours. And if you take it before that day, you are a thief. Guys, it's not your body. It's not your body. You have no right to give it to anyone until you stand one day in front of a preacher and make a covenant commitment to her. And then in that moment, God says, okay, it's yours to give now. But any moment before that, you are stealing from God. I'm, a, I'm reading an article uh, just recently. It was a 
There was an article about a 46-year-old man who was stealing from his 88-year-old mother. Uh, he would go in and he would strong arm her and intimidate her. His dad had already died, and so it's just her by himself. And he's extorting her for money. He says, look, you've got to pay this bill for me or else. He's taking her charge cards and racking up all sorts of charge card debt on her charge card. And after seven years, you ready for this? $90,000 that he extorted from his 88-year-old mom. And so the police come, and I, th I think they said he, got, he, he was charged with five felonies. And here's what I promise you. I promise you, as they were driving away in the squad car, and he's sitting in the back, here's what he was saying. I was going to inherit it anyways. But you know the answer. It wasn't yours yet. You're a thief. And I'm just telling you, it's not yours to give. You were bought with a price, and you belong to your Savior. And if you take it before you inherit it, if, if you one day before you stand before God and that pastor and make a covenant commitment to each other, you're stealing. So here's the, here's the thing. I just want to say this as clear as I can. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care what happened before you walked in this room today. I care about what you're gonna do when you walk out of the room. And you're gonna make a decision, you are. You're either gonna say, look, here's the deal. Uh, I, I'm just gonna keep living like this is just physical. I'm gonna ignore everything scripture has to say about this. I'm gonna blow through all the cautions. I don't care about the damage and the wound I do. I'm just gonna keep living the lie. And I'm gonna live like it's just physical. But some of us, <laughs> Some of us are going to move today. And some of us are going to say, look, I, I, all the way till now, I've done this the way everybody else does this. But I've realized for the first time that this is sacred. I, I was sitting in a church and some fat guy told me. He was a pastor, so I don't even know if he had sex. but I got it. I got it. I got it. And you'll make a decision. It's either physical or it's sacred. And it'll be based on how you behave from here on out. How many of you have ever heard of a Stradivarius violin? Come on. Okay, a couple of us. So here's the deal about Stradivarius violins. Uh, Stradivarius violins were built by a guy named Antonio Stradivarius at the end of the 17th uh, century. And there was something absolutely remarkable about these violins. Matter of fact, uh, people would say that when they heard him play, it was almost mystical. Uh, that you, they couldn't figure out what it was that made him sound so far superior to any other violin that was available. And so they said, well, maybe, maybe it's the wood that uh, Antonio picks, or, or maybe it's the craftsmanship that goes in. And so for years and years, people would try to mimic it and get the same sound as and no one could uh, successfully. And to this day, they are absolutely prized, absolutely rare. Matter of fact, just a few years ago, a Stradivarius violin, one that had been owned by Napoleon Bonaparte, sold for $3.6 million. 
Anybody in here a music lover? Music lover? All right, dude. All right. So uh, here's the deal. Um, take that. <laughs> let him see it and then pass it around. All right. What did you know the minute I tossed it? It wasn't a Stradivarius. Because I would have never treated something that precious that way, would I have? Either that, are you ready? Either that or I'm an idiot. Hey guys, what you do next is going to say everything. It's going to say how preciously you regard this gift that God has given you. And do you take yourself and pass yourself around? And guys, here's what I'm going to say to you. You get the Stradivarius, if it were, is wood and cables and could be replaced. And you can't. You can't. And I'm just going to ask you to consider today to say from this day forward, I will treat myself in this sacred gift of my sexuality preciously. Because if I didn't, I'd be an idiot. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. And I, guys, this is it's a little bit outside our comfort zone. It's a little bit uh, different. If you've been in this room and you're just going, man, I, this was my message. This is what I needed here. Or maybe you just say, Lynn, I, I've already made this commitment in my life, but I, I'm just, I, I'm unashamed of the fact that I've already said, look, I'm waiting until I get married before I give myself physically to anybody. And if God's been speaking to you today, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to put a stake in the ground. I'm going to ask you to say, I may not have come in this way, but I'm leaving this way with a promise and I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are to say, this is, this is it. This is my covenant with God that I will begin <laughs> to regard my sexuality as precious. And I will not pass myself around. I'm not here for all takers. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, I'm just going to ask that you would fill the single adults in this room with courage that you would speak to their heart and they would say, look, I just, I am not going to do this the way my friends do this. And, and they may be dating right now, God, and, and they know that if they stand, they might even be sitting next to the person that they're having uh, a relationship with and that it would forever change the relationship. It, it, it could mean they break up. They, they may be sitting next to the person they're living with right now. And they go, I, I, you're on the couch. Uh, we're moving out. It's going to take a crazy amount of courage to stand. But I'm going to ask that you would call your people to do what they know you're asking them to do. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So I'm just going to call you right now. If you'd say, that's my commitment, this is the stand I'm taking with God, I want you just to stand where you are as a testimony to it. Very cool. Honor to you. Uh, stay standing. Go ahead, stay standing. Honor to you.
I, I get that this changes some of your relationships. I get that this means you're going to go have some conversations that you weren't expecting to have when you walked in this morning. Honor to you. Hey, I'm just going to ask the rest of us to stand with them. And here's, here's what I'm going to imagine. I'm guessing, as a matter of fact, I had, I had a couple grab me in the uh, lobby after last service, and they said, Len, I, I, don't even, I don't know why we didn't stand. We wanted to. And I'm, I'm just going to guess in this room, there's some who's, right now you're going, I, I should have stood. And so I'm just going to encourage you that, hey, you can reach in the seat back uh, that's right in front of you. You can pull a card out and just put your name on the top. And then in the place where it says comments, just go, I'm standing. I'm standing. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for those in this room with the courage to say, look, I may, I may have already made just tons of mistakes in this area of my life. But now that I know, I mean, now that we've, I am pledging from this day forward that I will honor God, that I will treat as sacred what he calls sacred. And I will keep his trust. And I will treat my partner with honor. And I will not take that which does not belong to us. Until the day I stand in front of God and a preacher and make that covenant of being one. God, would you remind them in the moments when temptation is spilling over in their hearts and they're one step away from breaking their vows today. Remind them what it was like to stand. Give them the courage to flee. That the singles of Cornerstone would honor their God. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.